Hi, it's Harry Redknapp here. You're listening to a proper podcast. It's the Alan Hudson podcast. It's proper football, proper talk. Uh, so, Alan, uh, you need no introduction to football fans from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Everyone who was around in that era knows what a great footballer you were uh, and what a star man you were uh, for Chelsea, Stoke, uh, Arsenal and Seattle Sounders, not to mention uh, the England national team. But for some of the younger generation, maybe what weren't around in those days, give us a bit of a flavour of your life and your football career, if you would. Yeah, I played, uh, I was fortunate enough to play with and against uh, the best players of our time. I believe the 60s and the 70s. The 60s off the field were the best time, but the 60s and 70s on the field were, was a fantastic time. I played against Pelé, who said it was a beautiful game. Johan Cruyff, George Best, Franz Beckenbauer, all in a very short period of time when I was only about 18, 19. So I played against the best players in the world. And then, obviously, there was our own um, World Cup winners, Bobby Moore. Alan Ball, Bobby Charlton, played against these kind of people in my first season. But of course, our friend, great friend, George Best. And that's without saying who I played with at Chelsea, uh, with the likes of Peter Osgood and Charlie Cook, who were probably, for you modern-day supporters, along with Ed Nazard, that's all I can say. Osgood was probably the best centre-four I ever see at Chelsea. And you probably see... you. We'll probably argue and say Drogba, but you never see Osgood. So that was a kind of player that was in our day, and in my day. And what about when you when your football career came to an end, Alan? Um, where did life take you then? Well, I was still in Stoke on Trent. I was still I I, I had my second spell at Stoke. Uh, I was finished. I'd come back and Seattle, and I went back to Chelsea and never. Played in the first team at Chelsea. That was a year of promotion in the in the early eighties, and I found myself back in at Stoke City and finished off my playing career there. And I had such a wonderful, wonderful time in my first my first time around at Stoke in the seventies when we should have won the league. Uh, I've actually just done something with a gentleman this morning about he's writing a book about Stoke City, and I people tend to forget. You know, Today they, I was I watched some football last night and they were talking about teams with injuries. In them days we only had a squad of sixteen, seventy players and in nineteen seventy five, with three games to go, we were top of the league and that season we had four broken legs in our team to top to four of our best players. So that is how unfortunate we were uh, in that season. So uh I had a guy I had I had then, and I still got a great affinity to to the area. So I I love the the potteries and play my best football there, and love the people from there. So uh, that's why I've been helping this gentleman with his book. So when your playing days were over, did you come back down to London or did you stay up in Stoke? No, I'm a bit of a loose cannon. I. Um, I stayed in Stoke. I opened the nightclub, the pub and nightclub. It was, my friend thought it was a good idea to do that, which it wasn't. Uh, although I had a fantastic time, as you can see, I'm only 28. Look, um, I had a fantastic time. But again, I had a wonderful time there. And then things went wrong, as they did in football in them days. And 
I ended up spending a lot of time in America. Went back to America, to Tampa Bay, Florida. Spent a lot of time there. And uh, had about 18 months in Northern Cyprus. Then I come back and went to Stoke again. And now I'm back uh, in my roots. I'm actually living in the buildings where my, my mother passed away. So uh, I've got very, very happy memories of this. Um, if you look out my window, you can see Stamford Bridge. Uh, but this was where I was actually born. So I'm the most local player in the history of Chelsea Football Club. No one will ever be more local than me. And when we talk about your history and your and your life, uh, it would be remiss of me not to mention uh, the events of 1997. Maybe you give us a brief run through of what happened then. Yeah, in uh, on, on December the 15th, 1997, uh, I had a day out. I, had a, I was working for the, a newspaper called The Sporting Life, which is now The Racing Post, and uh, I had a very good job on there. I was, I was actually working my way up, um, working for a great editor called Tom Clark. And it was on this particular day, we had a sporting luncheon, and Tom was... Uh, host of our table and he was i was his special guest and uh, i spent the day out with tom and then moved on from there went somewhere else and on my way home that night about nine o'clock i was uh, struck by a car hit in the back by a car as i was stepping on the on the pavement in mile road in east london and um i was in a 59-day coma, so from the 15th of December, it was the first Christmas I missed, and the first New Year I missed in 46 years. So, uh, and then I woke up. I took me off life support in the second week in March of 1998, and I spent the whole year in hospital, recovering, recuperating. But as luck would have it, we had a very, very nice local pub opposite the A and E. <laughs> which helped my recovery <laughs> but uh, there's not a day goes by or a year goes by that uh, it doesn't come back and i write a lot so it's always in the back of your mind and i think this covid uh where we have these lockdowns all my friends are complaining about the covid but i think uh, my year in hospital put me in good stead for this uh because it feels like I'm going for it all over again. Um, only I can move about now. Where I was for about three or four months, I was I was paralysed from the waist, from the waist down, and they said I'd never walk again. I thought it was a little bit like the song, really. You'll never walk alone. I thought the doctor was going to say you'll never walk alone. He said you'll never walk again. So it was a bit, a little bit. Um, and if I must say. Uh, to anyone out there that's suffering a little bit, uh, don't ever lose your sense of humour. And I found that while I was in hospital for that year, you must never, my family and friends just couldn't believe how happy I was after the life I'd lived, uh, you know, and what I'd been through, how I could, you know, keep my spirits high. But uh, I'm afraid it's the only one life we have. And um, there's always going to be someone worse off than us, I'm afraid to say. Uh, so, you know, that's the way I live my life. I live my life from day to day. 
I think it's true to say there's uh, there's been very few dull moments in your in your life, uh, and that's what we'd like to get across uh, in in the Alan Hudson podcast. Uh, there's so many uh, great anecdotes from your past, both from your football career and away from the football pitch. Um, give give us a flavour of what what viewers can expect and what listeners can expect from the Alan Hudson podcast going forward. Well, I always try to try to pick out the, the great moments of matches and always try to pick out the, the funniest moments with certain individuals. I think the most important thing as well is uh, I like to get across is when people say you've had a great life and I don't I don't really buy buy into that. Um, life is what you make it. And because of my character and Tony will tell you, I, I, I like to make time, make light of everything, make fun of everything. And those that don't, uh, that's probably why I fell out with managers, England managers, because they didn't seem to see the funny side. They, they, they took everything too serious. And we cover things like this. We talk about the England managers and, 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 and if you look at Gary Southgate today, I don't think I've ever seen him smile. You might think that's nothing, but it, it but it really is. Um, it, it's something, you know. There's uh, football to be enjoyed. Football, and we tend to forget that football is an entertainment. It's not just a sport. It's an entertainment. People go to hard hard work all week when it's back to normal, and then before. I can remember my manager, my great manager at Stoke on Stoke City. Tony Waddington and I met very fortunate to come across the great Jock Steen, the first British manager to win the European Cup. And uh, he made a statement and he very much liked Tony Waddington. He used to remind his players that people had been down the mines all week, coal shafts or whatever, and they'd been working hard all week just to go to a match on a Saturday afternoon to be entertained. So he'd remind his players, he called the three to go out and entertain the crowd. And when you hear people moan today about entertainment, they're very, they're right to, they have every right to do so because these players are getting paid a hell of a lot of money to entertain the crowd and uh, they're not doing it enough. And, uh, and that's a lot to do with the podcast as well. Um, and that is why we're, we're, sh- we're very short. I know it's, <laughs> they keep making excuses about, the pressures in this game, but there are no pressures in this game today. In our in our day, when managers got the sack, they went on the dole queue. They had no money. But managers who leave the game today, they leave with millions and millions of pounds. They're made for life. So there is no pressure in the game today, and there is no pressure on players because players again, untold amounts of money, which takes the pressure away. Pressure is not being able to pay a bill, and I can vouch for that. And finally, uh, the slogan for the Alan Hudson podcast is proper football, proper talk. And uh, you're never going to sit on the fence, are you? You're going to come out all guns blazing. You're going to be straight talking and you're going to shoot from the hip. Well, I don't believe um, I don't believe in any other way than actually talking. I talk to England managers and other managers the way I talk to my friends whether it's in a pub, in a, in a restaurant, or just sitting in, sitting around chatting about the game. There's no need in 
trying to I, I watch people on on tv and i watch pundits say they make they make sure they say the right things well there's no such thing as the right thing there's you have to be honest if if your opinion's not right then hold your hands up but if it is so just be just be honest we all the all the best managers and they say honesty is a, is the only way and and we've been misled uh we've been misled through this covid thing by um the government and it's just not good enough you you have to be honest and and that's why i am when i talk in life in general and life about football if i don't like someone uh, as a player i say i don't like them as a player but the only difference is if i say i don't like them as a player i'll give you the reason why and um i was very uh, i was i was happy uh, that grand soreness said something yesterday about a certain certain player and he was 100 percent right graham saunas was a great footballer he was a great and he was a great competitor and he said uh this player doesn't seem like he's got the desire he, he seems like he's just happy to collect his money and carry on the way it is but that's not good enough you've got you've, you've got to love what you're doing if you don't love the game and get out go and do something else find something you do love doing but what i can't what i can't can't come to grips come to terms with is players that earn money that don't enjoy it and don't see the other side where you have to go out and we all love someone that works hard we want to see people work hard that's what you get paid for in any job you get you get paid to get doing a day's work but you've got to also do the other side of the game you've got to play and entertain I understand that some players are not not good enough to do that, but you know this is these are the these are the things that we cover on the podcast. And you made loads of friends in your time in, in football. Uh, where we're, we're, hopefully we're going to be seeing some of your friends pop up on the podcast uh, and some really big names. Well, we had one yesterday. We had the King of the Jungle on yesterday. We had Harry Redknapp. He's, uh, Harry and I go back to when I was in my first season. Then uh, we were fortunate enough to become very close when I moved to Seattle Sounders. He was part of me going there with Jimmy Gabriel. We spent a fantastic year there together. We become very close friends. His wife, Sandra, you see on the jungle, become my hairdresser. Look what she's done to it. Um, people like Harry are great, great, great characters in our game. And we, you know, we miss people like him. Um, but we will have we will have some uh, some really good characters who will not be allowed on if they don't see it our way. Doesn't mean they got to agree with us, but we do. We like to mix the seriousness up with the fun. So you know, and I I, I truly am a great believer in that we live in a world of a very cynical world and uh, a very tough world. Life. This is I never thought when I was in school it's going to be this tough. So we have to try and we have to generate our own fun, and and that's why we want to have people on our podcast that's going to share that with us. The Alan Hudson Podcast: Proper Football, Proper Talk. <laughs>